Yeah, and and that's the thing. I think Sydney is just too too general. She feels just very generic. She's the, the Bella Swan of spies. <laughs> she is the Bella Swan of spies. <laughs> <laughs> everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we're concluding our Spies and Lies season with a discussion on the back half of ABC's action spy thriller, Alias. Alias tried to mix the political, the theological, and the mythological, but this risk was mm, questionable, to say the least. Our protagonist, Sydney Bristow, tries to juggle the relationships with her father, her handler, and her work, and doesn't always succeed. So why do we think, despite all this, Alias was such a critical darling? Stay tuned. everyone if you haven't listened to last week's episode stop right now and go take a listen for those rejoining us here are the critical details of alias to refresh your memory alias is classified as an action espionage thriller drama and science fiction it was created by jj abrams and was released from september 30th 2001 through may 22nd 2006 on the abc network for a total of five seasons and 105 episodes the series stars Jennifer Gardner as Sydney Bristow. She is our protagonist. Michael Vartan as Michael Vaughn. Um, he is Sydney's co-worker and initial handler. Ron Rifkin as Arwen Sloan. Uh, he is a former CIA engineer and director of SD6. Carl Lumbly as Marcus Dixon, Sydney's co-worker and director of the CIA's Joint Task Force. Kevin Wiseman as Marshall Flinkman. He is a creator of various gadgets for field agents in SD6 and then later the CIA. Victor Garber as Jack Bristow. He's a CIA agent and Sydney's father. Bradley Cooper as Will Tipton, Sydney's friend, a journalist, and later a private researcher for the CIA. Uh, Marin Dungy as Francine Calfo, a.k.a. Francie, and also as um, Allison Doran. Francie is Sydney's best friend, and Allison is a Fra- Francine lookalike assassin. Greg Grunberg as Eric Weiss, one of, CIA, one of the CIA's field agents and Sydney's co-workers. Um, David Anders as Julian Sark. Uh, he's a member of various covert groups with no real loyalties. Lena Olin as Irina Derevko, um, Sydney's um, 
Sydney's mother under the alias Laura Bristow and uh, Jack's presumed dead wife, Melissa George as Lauren Reed. She is Michael's wife and an NSC liaison to the CIA. She's also a double agent for the Covenant. Mayas Maestro as Nadia Santos. She is Sydney's half-sister. Rachel Nichols as Rachel Gibson. She is a, an analyst for The Shed and then later for APO and a CIA field agent. And um, Elodie Buches as uh, uh, one of the CIA's most wanted. And last but not least, Quentin Tarantino as McKenna Sloan. Um, let's talk about it. We're on season four, which was also 22 episodes. Um, refresh our memory, Alex. How did we leave off season three? So season three ended with um, Sydney finding out some unspeakable secret about her father and her past with regards to um the cia and like and and her father's involvement in in some sort of cia dealing um which we and and she read some like secret notes about something uh she did and something something she did or and something he did and we and now we're we're gonna figure out what that is also, um, Laura got got by Michael, and Michael almost died, but he's alive again. And that's where we left off. That's where we're at. Right. Now, um, in J.J. Abrams' words, season three, he felt that, uh, quote, we weren't true to the characters. They became pawns in a plot-driven story. Well, girl, uh, at least you find, found out what was wrong. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, so season four, he he describes it as, quote, the season of reinvention, which focused on character relationships. And this season, unlike all the other seasons, like it didn't air for the entire TV season run. It aired only on the back half uh, so that they could have a more continuous run because season four was supposed to be much more cohesive than the previous season. So that's interesting. That's a really interesting statement uh, to hear now because I do see the reset. I do see the reset, but <laughs> I don't see this character relationships focus. <laughs> same, same, same. Um, they, and they did two resets. There was a reset in season two, and then they did another reset in season four. And I feel like this reset didn't pan out um, the way that he might have wanted it to. Because I still uh, feel a lot of the characters are majorly pawns on this show. Yeah, I, I was about to say that's a really interesting. It's interesting that he understands the problem, and I and it's in, but he can't. I mean, he didn't solve it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 I think another part of it is it specifically speaking to season four. Before we really get into it, is um, he uh, it's almost too late in season four to fix the problems, honestly. Cause right. the characters that they choose to focus on to try to build out this, I guess, relationship thing are characters that I don't care about. 
Right. And you know, I want to have a conversation about this really quickly. I'm going to talk about, um, I always reference the show, uh, the USA's original left from Nikita, but we can use, uh, CW's Nikita and, um, even the Americans, I think they did this better than any other show. Of course, you guys know I'm biased toward the Americans. I think they did this better than any other show where, yes, there's a lot of guest characters on the show, but not a lot of supporting characters on the show. Meaning that our principal cast is remains very small to allow us to care about these people the way that we should care about these people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head and I think that's definitive for any show. And I think that's why we're always like team no new people because <laughs> um your your principal characters from your pilot to the end of series are the ones who should be driving the series right you know the americans we care about uh Paige and henry jennings we care about stan beeman and his wife even though the character sandra beeman we don't see her for the duration of the series right like she pretty much fades away as a conversation piece once uh she and stan are officially divorced right and even then like when they're i think she when she comes if she comes back into the narrative she comes back to once again uh drive the story in such a way that it relates back to philip and uh it relates back to stan and philip and elizabeth um and she's there for the purpose of like layering uh, the relationship between those characters. Cause when she comes back and um, like for the S stuff, right. Mm-hmm. It's definitely to complicate Philip and Stan's relationship. Right. There's actually like, a, it's actually like a, a, it's a plot driver. It's a plot point. It's not like superfluous. And I think the problem with alias is Watching it then and watching it now, there are a lot of supporting characters whose names I legitimately don't remember most of the time. Right. And then, and then, and I think another big problem with Alias is that I felt like they were trying to reintegrate characters from the earlier seasons that the show never really cared about ever. Yes. Like, Yes. Like they picked, they had a supporting character, they dropped off on them, never talked about them, and then tried to reintroduce them. And that's not how character relations, that's not even how real life relationships work. Work. That's not how character relationships work on TV. You can't just like ghost and then come back like nothing ever happened. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's where we find ourselves. So let's talk about this reset a little bit. Um, so, like, like you just said, quoting J.J. Abrams, that the show, it, it, like, you know, he felt that the show needed a reset. And that's exactly what these opening part one, part two uh, episodes are about. We, basically, we see Sydney, and she's doing, like, a CIA job. And the job goes left for reasons and she's brought in front of a review board which um the review board contains angela bassett by the way uh she's brought in front of her a cia review board and they sort of just like essentially just dress her down and read her the the riot act um and seemingly she is she she seemingly quits for the cia but then it's flipped and we find out that actually 
It's just that she's been recruited by the CIA uh, for like a more undercover, more black ops type work that uh, the CIA is overseeing but can't have its fingerprints on uh, for, you know, reasons because invading people's sovereign countries and and destabilizing their nations is illegal and it doesn't look good, but we do it all the time as a country. Um, Mm -hmm. Just So Sydney is part of this double black ops group. And in this double ops black group team put together by Angela Bassett, we have, it is a reset. It's essentially everybody who was uh, working with Sydney from like the first season. So it's Sloan, Dixon, her dad, Michael, and then the the tech guy. And and yeah, and that's season one and season that's season well, that's the beginning of the episode. So she of course she obviously is not excited to work with Sloan again because Sloan is a crazy person. And that's she says as much. And Angela Bassa tells her, Yeah, that's why I hired you, so that like if he starts doing crazy things. You'll just take care of it. Uh, Sydney is That's not a big responsibility. What? That's a big responsibility, right? <laughs> like Sydney's not exactly enthused by that response. And he's um, been about this life since before Sydney was born. Exactly, and it's like, and this is what I'm talking about, where like the show fails, like it's failing this other. Uh, mandate that it has for itself in terms of like exploring these character relationships because if the show accurately explored this character relationships we would understand that like we would understand without having to sort of verbalize it and overthink it that the other reason why asking Sydney to oversee Sloan is bullshit is because like this is a man who was a father figure to her when her dad was very distant so mm-hmm. it's not easy to like be in charge of a person who understands how to emotionally manipulate you. Right. Right. It's the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, un, un, uh, unequal balance of power there. Like I said, he's been about this life since before she was born. He knows all the t- tips and all the tricks. As you said, he was her father figure. So he knows a lot of her weak points and a lot of her triggers. And also from an emotional standpoint, how do you expect her to fully hate somebody who helped raise her? This is like when they asked Laura to kill her father. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like Lauren was like, I can't do this. And then her mom had to kill the dude. Like, I think it's harder to pull the trigger on someone who raised you than people think it is. Like, people just don't be killing their parents like that, all willy-nilly. Right. Like, I mean, people can barely stop talking to their abusive parents, let alone... Yes, part, that part. That part right there. Let alone killing them. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Um. So, uh, but that's but that's what it is. So... So Sydney is sent on a, a new mission with Michael, uh, where she is doing, where Jennifer Garner is doing this really horrific Eastern European accent. Like I don't even know. I I blocked that out of my subconscious. 
I don't even know where she's supposed to be from. Like, it starts out, like, kind of French. And then it, like, veers into Eastern European. And then, like, it... I don't... And then it, I don't know where she's supposed to be from. But, um... <laughs> bless her. And so, at the end of this job, you know, she and Michael, of course... Who have been broken up this whole time. They haven't seen each other. You know, they have a moment. So, of course, they sleep together. And while and at and post sex, she confides in him that she, the what about what she found out in the super secret CIA papers about her dad. And what she found out was that her dad asked the CIA for permission to execute her mom, and the CIA granted it, and he happily carried it out. And so that has her super fucked up. And, you know, it's not cheating if he just recently killed his wife, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, all of that is going down because relationships um, can be very complicated and they're more so when both of you make a living in subterfuge and espionage. Like, that's not a good foundation. (laughs) Right. And it's interesting. At first I was like, damn, she seems really broken up about her her dad killing her mom. I wonder why. Like, but then I realized, <laughs> I guess that that is super fucked up. Like, it's Queen Elizabeth syndrome, maybe, to like yeah. know that your dad killed your mom. That that feels fucked up. Feels fucked up. Right. Justice for Anne Boleyn. Um. But yeah, <laughs> Jack had a good reason. I mean, he didn't even know this lady. He thought he was married to Laura Bristow. He don't even know who Irina is. <laughs> Right when and I, he was and then, he was literally married to an alias. <laughs> right, he's married to an alias, and the show has done. And this is what I'm talking about, where I'm like, even this thing of like Sydney crying over her her dad, killing her mom, like all of this feels too late. Um, because as I was watching it, I thought the show has done so much to enforce that Sydney's mom is unequivocally unequivocally evil. Why do I care? Right. And again, why does Sydney care? Because I think the mom died when she was or faked her death when she was six, right? Right. So like I understand the innate desire for 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 a mother. That's like an instinctual need that we all have. And she does have some vague memories of her mother. But like the grieving process, I feel, happened years ago, right? When you thought she was dead, when she faked her death, right? Right. Like, am I dumb for thinking that, like, all the grief of not having a mother would have been spent when you were the little six-year-old girl who thought your mother was dead? Right. And I guess, and I, 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 I don't know what this new revelation of her, that her dad went, like, originally tried to execute their mom. I, I just, I guess I don't understand... I don't understand it. <laughs> like you kill people too. You kill assets all the t- and like operatives all the time. Like right. why is and and this is not like a and this is the fault of the show. This is the I want to put it like squarely on the show. It's the fault of the show for not developing these relationships and not really developing I think the mother character or giving us enough history of Jack and the mother character to justify it because if the mother had at one point truly did love him or they were or their 
or like, you know, Philip and Elizabeth, their marriage for a moment in time was like really real. Like these people were put together, but like they really do love each other. And she still betrayed him and all this stuff. And then he tried to kill her. Then I would get it. I would right. get her feeling the way that she does. But right now I, I don't understand. And to put this further into context, besides the fact that she already grieved this lady when she thought she was dead, like 20 years ago, um, her dad's relationship with her mother is exactly the relationship that Michael had with his wife, Lauren. Literally the only difference is that Michael found out who Lauren was before he conceived a child with her. Right. Right. Like and she, she had a whole personality to get close to this man. Right. And she can understand the situation with Lauren and Michael, but she can't, she somehow she's not grasping the situation with her mom and her dad. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel correct. And I know that feelings aren't always logical. They don't have to be, especially concerning your parents, especially if you have a very complicated relationship with their parents. But I just feel like this was very, very extra because the griefing process is not necessarily a cyclical one <laughs> um, where like you will re-grieve the same person over and over for the duration of your life. Like, eventually, the grieving process ends. Am I wrong in this? I mean, I think, like, maybe there, maybe you'll always have echoes, right? There will always right. be echoes of that, of, of that pain and that, and thinking about that person. But, um, that sort of, um, that immediate, like, that immediate pain does fade. That mm. immediate, like, uh, acute, I should say acute, that's a better word, acute pain, that fades. Right, right, right. And the whole, like, breakdown inconsolable, like, honestly, if I already experienced that over someone, to find out that you're still alive, the number one feeling would be anger. Right. And she doesn't seem particularly that angry with her mom. Yeah, which is also very weird to me, because you already knew what your dad was about. He does the exact same job that you did. Um... And you are also very much, you know, Team America. Um, I feel like finding out this woman was a Russian spy should have changed things, but it didn't. Right, it didn't. It didn't. Right? It, it, it Somehow, like, they ignore... It feels like they ignore that information and just kind of go do whatever they feel like they want to do. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, so the season, so yeah, the season really is about this reset, bringing back these old characters, um, and sort of making space for them. And just when we think we're free. I mean, bringing back these old characters is cool, but like, did we miss them though? <laughs> <laughs> and just like, I mean, even Sark shows back up. Um, and just when we think we're, uh, Anna Espinosa shows up. Like, they really are bringing back... Every, like, they really are just trying to capture the magic of first season. But just when we think we're free, uh, somebody else's name shows up who I would have preferred to leave firmly in the past. And that is uh, Nostradamus Ronaldo Rimbaldi. <sighs> like... 
I you guys can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard right now. What was the purpose? Like, what was the reason? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's not giving what you think it's giving. There's nothing about this that's ex- exciting, that's titillating, that's intriguing, that's even thought-provoking, to be very honest. I thought about it for exactly 60 seconds before I was over it. It is truly, truly terrible. Like, truly terrible. Um, And it's upsetting in so many ways. <laughs> Honestly. Um... Anyway, we find out that Elena's mom, not Elena, Sydney's mom, Elena, is on some, you know, world domination shit. And she has a plan to, you know, destroy the world. What that plan is, I'm I'm not particularly sure. Um, I just know that it, it exists. <laughs> uh, and it's somehow related to uh, Rumbaldo. Right. So, oh, I think, isn't this the season where we find out that Irina is actually the man? No, no, no. Irina, Sydney's mom, um, she's the man, the organization known as The Man. Is this the season oh, I'm we find sorry. out? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm calling her by her wrong name. Her name isn't Elena. It's Irina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, My bad. Is this the season or is it next season when we find out that she's the man? No, I think it's this season because that's what I was referring to. Sydney's mom is on some weird world domination plot that that I don't don't ask me the specifics of it because I don't know. It, yeah, and just to be clear, at this point, it's long stopped being about serving her country <laughs> in any <laughs> real way. Like she doesn't care about Mother Russia anymore. She's not like it's it's very much it's giving me very much get what I can get as quickly as I can get it. <laughs> absolutely. At this point, she's just kind of it's for the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's doing crime for the for the Bond girl villain vibes. Oh wow, wow! Which um is a choice, uh, and that's okay, I guess. Wow. Um, we also find out that Irina teams up again with Sloane. Because Sloane, once again, has, like, gone off the edge and also needs to look for the, the Ronaldo artifact. Once again, you guys, season see, four seasons, we still don't know what this Ronaldo thing does. Irina and Sloane are very much the Chuck and Belair of Alias. Toxic. They are. Toxic, but they can't keep away from each other. Can't keep away. Can't keep away. Mm. And it's really sad it's really because once again, I'm I'm angry that I I have to go back to Ronaldo, or Rimbaldi, Rimbaldi, whatever his name is. I'm annoyed that like this plot has shown up again, um, mostly because it's terrible every time. And then I'm also equally annoyed that um, they they won't tell me what what it does. <laughs> they won't tell me what what the, what what it's all for. They're just like. Oh no, Ronaldo. We have to get the Ronaldo thing. Ronaldo, you know, farted in a book once. We have to smell it <laughs> to go understand where to find the the doohickey. Like it's it's all terrible. And this is one of the key problems with Alias. You give us characters that you don't develop so we don't care about, supporting characters that we rarely see so we also don't care about. 
and missions that we don't understand so we don't care about. Yeah, I would say that's the nail on the head. That, that's it. That That's it, definitively it. Um, so by this time, Nadia... Nadia's also, you know, mm-hmm. doing things on their team. She's had storylines. Why? I don't know. I don't particularly care about her. But I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, so... And Nadia also, like, uh, has a little... Uh, a little intimate moment with Jack basically asking Sydney's father to tell her about her mother because Nadia was a deadbeat mom and none of those kids knew her. I mean, Irina was a deadbeat mom and none of those kids knew her. <laughs> like, she she really wasn't the mothering type and she left a gaping wound, especially in Nadia because Nadia didn't even have her for like the six years. She was like, let me just have this baby and be out. <laughs> that's exactly yes that's exactly what she did <laughs> and so i in nadia's case i actually understand this like mo- mother womb this mommy void um because this is very very common with adoptees and people who were put in foster care from a very very young age the mother wound never goes away it's never really filled no matter how happy your home life is um and so even learning that your mom is fucked up <laughs> in myriad ways uh doesn't make you want a mom any less um but again i can't i can only care about this to the extent that i care about the nadia character and i really don't right and we don't and then the show and when the show like you know can't get you that way they try to get you with this whole like sloan and nadia are gonna have a relationship for the first time but i also don't care about that either right and Salone isn't as invested in Nadia as Jack is in Sydney, and it shows. Oh yeah, definitely, it definitely shows. Like um, I, people like he and Irina legitimately do not know how to love, and that's probably why they're the best couple on the show <laughs> because they're giving each other like equal effort, which is really only if and when it serves them. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. Um. um but yeah, they're, that parental gene, they 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 flipped that switch off a long time ago. <laughs> it's like on TVD where people turn off their feelings when they become vampires. <laughs> yes! Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Okay, so the season ends with uh, Team Sydney going off to Mother Russia to try to defeat Irina's late- latest plan. And to get Sloan back. Because he, once again, has all these government secrets. And he's just letting them fly free because of Ronaldo. Um, Rimbaldi. And they they have to be stopped. Also, at the end of the season, Michael proposes to Sydney. And she she does say yes. And the the cliffhanger of the season is, you know, Michael, after they defeat uh Irina and they put Sloan in CIA jail custody. Michael's big cliffhanger for her is him being like, I've got to tell you a secret. And she's like, what could you possibly tell me that would make me, you know, not love you more? He goes, uh, I might be, he's like, I might be a bad guy. Cause, and then boom, it, it's gone. It's off until until our next and final season. So, M, 
What did we think of season four? Good, bad, or basic? I'm sorry, I'm going to have to give this a bad plus. Like, it wasn't all the way bad, but again, this artifact that you're looking for, why? It's really giving me, we need it because the other team wants it, energy. (laughs) I feel like that's super accurate. I'm tired. It's like kids fighting in daycare over that toy that they know none of them really want to play with. Um, It's very immature. It's very lowbrow. It's not giving me the sophistication that I want from a spy thriller, so I'm giving it a bad plus. What about you? I, you're generous because I was just going to give it a basic minus, <laughs> but I think I'm going to change my grades to just solid bad. Yeah. I don't want it to be. I wanted better of it, of the show, but yeah, I wanted better of the show than what I, what, than what I got from it. Again, it didn't feel like everything was very well thought out. I was poking holes in it. Well, the cool thing about spy thrillers, and again, I'm going to reference the Americans, Everything that these characters say and everything that these characters do, there's not a there's not an action, there's not a single word that is wasted. It ties into the narrative. It has a purpose for being there. Every conversation that Philip and Elizabeth have in particular, every conversation they have from beginning to end is layered in subtext. There's never any casual conversation between these two. And the way that Alias fails to make me interested in these people's conversations, their relationships and their interactions with each other is damn near criminal. Right. And just to sort of, and like, I think to look at Nikita, like CW's Nikita, which is definitely more action focused um, and action focused in a way that I think Alias aims to be action focused. You know, Nikita, those, they're always fleshing out those relationships. Um, they those relationships are what's driving the plot, not the other way around, always and constantly. And if they do have plot-heavy episodes, they are always making sure that they are figuring out, well, what does this plot say about the relationships between all of my characters? Um, and that's that's important, it's serious, and it's what you need absolutely positively to make a show hit and stick. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And you're right, Alias is much more action-focused than, like, of the Americans. But as you pointed out with Nikita, we care about these relationships. And specifically, and Alias could have used, could have focused on this as well, every mission that Alex, Nikita, Michael, um, even the, the head of Division, everything that they did had a greater purpose. And we knew what everyone's motivation was. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree, but you're not in the dark about why they do what they do. Right. And it's interesting you bring up purpose, like a higher purpose and thinking about a higher purpose or a higher calling. I think that's one of the issues in Alias as well. Everyone, you know, obviously in the first seat in the first season, we do have Sydney stating that she's doing this for God and country But I guess the other thing I'm I'm missing is, like, why does everybody else do it? Particularly are some of our more morally gray characters, like, why does doing the right thing matter so much to them personally? Right. And listen, I love a morally gray character, and I love a a thought-provoking, well-fleshed-out villain. I don't care what the characters are as long as I understand them and I believe them to be real people. 
Same. I agree. We could have all been villains. I would have been down with that. I love a good villain story. <laughs> <laughs> like I love it, and everybody's evil, and may the best may the best person win type of situation. I'm <laughs> fine with it. I'm fine with it. And I think the Americans actually came very very close to this. They always they painted both Elizabeth and um, and Philip as well as the uh, FBI as very morally gray. Both parties actually thought they were doing the right thing, right? But they both did really messed up shit to get to their goals. Like, it doesn't have to be... You, you don't have to portray characters as golden boys and girls. And I definitely believe that Sydney was definitely, like, the golden girl of this show. She was supposed to be the character that had um, little to no flaws. But, like, in that line of work... Painting a character like this is wholly unrealistic. Your work requires you to lie. Your work requires you to steal. Your work requires, like, the, the nature of your work requires you to be an untrustworthy person. <laughs> right, absolutely. Like, and, yeah, the, again, um, I know why they cast Jennifer Garner, because the writers wanted Sydney to be sweet and wholesome like apple pie, but... That's not a character that I believe is a spy. Same, 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 same. Okay, so on to season five. Season five was our fifth and final season. Right. It was also the shortest season at 17 episodes. So I think they already knew, um, I hope they already knew that this that this was their, their last season. And to pull out the big guns, right? Um, especially since they had a whole hiatus. So... Um, from December 2005 to April 2006, there was a series hiatus um, in regards to um, to uh, filming because of Jennifer Garner's pregnancy. This was written into the storyline, but a lot of the the, the, fil- the filming had to to stop. And uh, then they came back from 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 their hiatus and. Um, they announced when they came back from hiatus that the series was going to be canceled. So everybody was advised that the show was going to be canceled, which is why what happens in season five is that much more unforgivable. Let's get into it. Right. So season five, we open with, like we said, there's, there was a secret that there was a secret that Michael was going to tell Sydney. Um, uh, We find out later that the secret was like, he's a double agent for something else or something. That's, that's yeah, yeah. He's a double agent, um, Andre Michaud. Yeah, and uh, he and Sydney um survive a car crash. So at the end of season four, she, she and Michael get into a car crash. The season takes up right where that season left off, um, where they survive the car crash. But Michael is abducted by a group that poses as EMT. Right, and he's kidnapped in Mustafa, and nobody knows where where he is at all. Right, um, he is interrogated and like tortured in Mexico City, and um, he breaks free of his captors and uh, calls Sydney, um, asking for her dad's watch, and that's when we find out that he was born Michael Michaud. Uh, this is who he is. Um, 
and uh, he takes Sydney to meet uh, one of the members of Prophet Five, which is another syndication that uh, Michael's father was a part of. Um, this season, Arwen Sloan, uh, Nadia's dad, is in jail, and um, and Jack is trying to get him out of jail to help his daughter Nadia, who's in a coma. Um, Jack really has no skin in this game. He's really trying to work with his worst enemy just to help Nadia. Yeah, yeah, he he does. He's he's he's, and I actually really liked that. I liked that turn for the character. I really respected that because God knows she needs a good father figure because Arwen's not cutting. <laughs> um, I really liked that for her though. Um, and it. Honestly, I would say that if there were any of the characters on this show that I wasn't had any sort of attachment to, it's Jack Bristow. I, everything that he does actually does make sense <laughs> in the context of his character. So many times I watch the show and I, I wonder what it would have been like if he'd been the protagonist, but whatever. Wow, that's interesting. That's in- I'm going to have to think on that. I just feel like they th- he was better, well, well thought out, better acted, just better written on the whole. Um, and it's sad. It's really sad. But, like, he's giving me what I need from an espionage thriller. He's giving me what I need from that very conflicted, complex father character. I mean, that, that, feels, that feels right. That feels fair. Um, season five. Also in season five. Oh, season five... Like you said, they're in, Michael is presumed dead. He was whisked away by fake people and, and pretending to be am, ambulance people. Um, Sydney, we see, is going on, on about her life, even though, and still doing missions here and there where she can, even though she is ego-pre-go. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I thought it was cool that they wrote Jennifer Gardner's pregnancy into the narrative um, because I kind of hate the way that shows have to be restructured and even the way they film the show has to change when they're trying to hide an actress's pregnancy. However, (laughs) however, y'all two don't need to be birthing no babies. And like the line of work that you're in, it's really to a point where even if she retired, no family that she makes could ever really be safe. Yep. Yeah. Because she's made some enemies. She's made some serious enemies over the years. And Michael's made some serious enemies over the years. So Sydney gets recruited uh, once again into this, you know, this search for the Ronaldo thing. Um, even though she's ego pregro and grieving and dealing with a lot of stuff. Well, don't be sad because Michael does not stay dead for, for longer. He He comes back around and it's all very, nobody knows how this happened. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's when we find out about like his true identity, all this stuff, the backstory about his how his dad was a member of Prophet Five. But like, I feel like all of that backstory on Michael is too little, too late. Does that? It feel is. Weird? No, it is. Because I we really didn't too. know anything about this man outside of his relationship with Sydney until the last season. Exactly, and I think that's the. I think that's what I'm. I at least I'm trying to say is that. Um, there's no, there's no effort. (laughs) There's no effort, uh, in these, in these streets. Yeah, um, like I said, Alias did good things for the people that were on it insofar as, like, 
platforming them. Um, I would say specifically Jennifer Garner, because I believe this was her first lead role in anything, right? Right. Everybody else on that show, like, they were already a powerhouse. But Jennifer and Michael, like, Alias put them on. Right. No, yeah. Alias was, like, their big, big launch, their big first thing. And and even particular, like, you know, Michael, Michael Varton, I mean, he wouldn't have another huge, big breakout hit after Alias either. Isn't that sad? I mean, I really loved him on that show. The one we talked, we talked about it in a bonus episode. The arrangement, excellent. The arrangement, the yes. Arrangement. I loved him uh, on the arrangement, and I think he he plays he he's very strong in a supporting character league. Same with Greg Grunberg, who is also on the show. He'd been playing supporting characters since Felicity, and he hasn't stopped. He went from Felicity to Alias to uh, Heroes. Like he keeps getting these checks consistently. Um, but Michael Vartan and Jennifer Garner were not household names and did not have uh, really stacked resumes prior to Alias. And I'm happy that Alias gave them the careers that they needed and they deserved. But the show left a lot to be desired. And it doesn't get better in the last season. The last season, I will say, is the most action-packed kind of like flying by the seat of your pants type season, but it doesn't make up for the previous seasons at all. And and I, and I do want to reinforce, like, it's just action-packed. There's lots of action. None of it makes any sense. Yes. Also that. So, and the season ends with, you know, Sydney on this last mission, you know, trying once again, trying to defeat her mom, Irina, because she's crazy. And Irina and Sloan and Nadia are all working together. And we find out, finally, that the Rimbaldi thing that everybody's been trying to get after all series is, like, the key to to immortal life or something? Yeah, okay. So telling us what it is at the 11th hour was a bad decision. Like I said, give us a reason in season one. Even if it's not the reason, if it's the reason that the characters believe is the reason, that's enough to get us attached, right? You can change what the reason is and change your mind about the reason later, but we need a reason. And telling us this now, okay, I understand why this artifact is important, but it's too late for me to have an emotional response to it. (laughs) Like, okay, things that give you eternal life are cool, I guess, but that would have made such a difference if I'd known at least by season two. If I'd known by at least the end of season two, I'd give you a pass. Right? Like, I would I would be able to see that, but it's not. Like, so we get this whole thing, and there's, like, a speech. There's a speech about, there's a speech about, um, she's like, it's the key to life, immortality. And I'm like, we've been doing this for five seasons of Ronaldo. For you to just be like, oh, it's, it's like, it's a special super magic elixir. Like, I was, y'all, when I, t- when I tell you I was finished with this show, <laughs> I was Thanks. so done and yeah but so, Sydney has a baby this year I guess that's cute um and right, her mother and so, and father help her deliver this baby so I guess that's a bonding moment with Irina whatever again right. since we could have used earlier things we could have used earlier but ultimately Sydney Sid- died Sydney like not Sydney dies but Sydney is um Irina is killed and uh Irina Ar- Ar- yeah Irina is killed and Sydney is uh, at peace, and she and Michael get married and go to. And Jack dies. That's another thing. Jack dies. 
That was hard to watch. I'm not going to lie. I was actually, like, I was emotionally impacted when Jack died. I didn't really care about anybody else's death. I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> like, we didn't get to know Francie well enough. We didn't get to know Lauren well enough. Yeah, there's a lot of people whose deaths were supposed to be impactful that I was like, okay, whatever. Right, just a lot of people were like, Ugh, I guess. And so, <laughs> and so it, it ends... Like and the last couple of frames are are of Dixon going walking to this remote beach house, and you know he's on vacation because his hair is all cornrowed up. He doesn't have to cut it for those white people at the CIA. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's going to visit Sydney and her children. Two of them. She has two of them that she has with Michael, and he's just like, "Hey, girl, I'm glad you made it out." Glad you're okay. Glad you're doing well. Right. And he tries to tempt her and Michael with like a, a file of like Sark because Sark never died. <laughs> uh, but he's been spotted and he's like, don't you want to come out of retirement to, you know, help me finally catch this, the bad, the bad guy in Sydney. Uh, and I get, and it's, I guess it speaks to Sydney and I guess it speaks to her healing that she's like, no girl, I'm good. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's that's the end of the series. So season five, good, bad, or basic? I mean, I guess the action was cool. Basic. I'll give it a solid basic. Same. I was going to give it a basic plus because of all the action. I was like, oh, this is fun. But other than that, like, this show was not it. Yeah. And again, I really feel like we were kind of on a wave at this point of spy thrillers. This Mm -hmm. show aired literally months after La Femme Nikita aired on USA. It was on a, it was on like a, you know, a local network, ABC. It was starring an American actress. Um, Jennifer Garner is very, it's giving me deep patriotic uh, Americana vibes. I understand why the show did as well as it did when it was airing. I do not think Alias would have been as successful if they'd waited even 10 years after. I, I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think the only thing that's interesting, I think the thing that's interest the most interesting to me is like so many TV creators cite Alias as like an influence. And I'm just like, how? Because <laughs> it's just not looking at it now as an entire body of work. It's not that great. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand having a nostalgia for it because you came of age and, like or there or there's something about it that like holds a nostalgia aspect for you, but the show is actively not good. Wow, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with that. I think there are some really formidable actors on this show. Um, there are some decent actors on this show. I think that the writing and the handling of the show was objectively bad. Same. I, mean, I think it's objectively bad. I think the casting of our protagonist is perhaps subjectively bad, but bad nonetheless. <laughs> um, I'm cool on this show, to be very honest. I like all the locations I got in season five. Thank you for giving me the vacation that poverty could not, but <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we're done. And it, cause it is, it's like Shonda Rhimes cites this as like a huge influence on her. And I'm like, 
What? I did say this last week, right? I feel that uh, Sydney's relationships with her mother and her father are heavy influences for Olivia's relationship with her mother and father. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's and that's that's ex- that's excellent picking up on it. Um, and I I can see it too. But it's just the show is just I don't know. It's kooky. It's goofy and it's kooky from beginning to end to me. Um, I can't stand Olivia. I really can't. I hated the Cyrus Bean character as well. But was I attached to every single move that these people made? Also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Shonda Rhimes triumph and J.J. Abrams kind of dropped the ball. I really didn't care about Sydney. Um, I didn't really care about anyone in her life save Jack Bristow. The Nadia character I thought was a cool character, but she joined the uh, the game a little bit too late. And then when she did join, she wasn't um, frequently and properly utilized enough to my liking. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I hardcore agree with that. Um, listen, uh, so in terms of Alias, like, you know, does Alias need a reboot? I don't know. Maybe. Why not? It's not good. I'm like I I'm a, I believe in like rebooting bad things. Um and this is I think Alias is objectively bad. Uh and I would say go for it, I guess. But I think but I will say that one of the key differences if somebody decides the, to do the reboot is um, you for, first of all, you got to decide if it's going to be magic or science. <laughs> like, make a make a firm choice, and then um, also I think, uh, yeah, I think that's really it. I think you just have to decide if it's going to be magic or science. Because I could see like a tomb. I could see you sort of pulling out like a a tomb raider, like, um. <laughs> property from from like a, a bunch of elements of alias and i and i could also see you doing like a really great you know government spy sort of thing from a property like pull and pulling that out of uh, a bunch of elements of alias so i think either way right and i want to add to that if your narrative is plot driven rather than character driven that's fine as long as your plot is cohesive Oh, yeah, your plot has to be, like, sparkling. Like, it has to make a shit ton of sense. And this didn't either. So, like, and I think that's the real issue that I have with Alias is because I feel like it failed on so many fronts. And with the names that were behind the show, the producers that were behind the show, the cast that the show had, y'all shouldn't have failed that hard. Right. Like, there shouldn't have been, like, a reason. And granted, like, I will say... The only thing I think I can speak to, I think that maybe got these people hooked be, like, beyond, and the reason why it was such a hit beyond the actual like quality of the writing and stuff, is I definitely think that maybe like the elements of the show, the fact that like it was led by like, you know, it's starring like this female, this young woman who's really pretty, and it, and like it has really great like villain parts for women because Irina is kind of iconic and so is her sister the Russian agent who fucks up Sydney's life as well I think I can understand people really loving like the action elements and then you have like this romance element 
to it as well with Sydney and and Vaughn and, and a will they won't they. So I, I I do think that learning from that, because I'm all about, you know, even if I don't like the thing or I think the thing is bad, like learning what made it. And I definitely think those elements of it um, and all of the elements that Alias barred from Nikita definitively like made it. The key in any spy narrative is the characters. And all the great writers understand this for everyone from James Bond down. We have to care about the protagonist. You can't, there's no circumventing this. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I think Sydney is just too, too general. She feels just very generic. She's the Bella Swan of spies. (laughs) She is the Bella Swan of spies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's just like she's just the girl and she's just she she's just there she just be doing things um they only really get specific with the jack bristow and arwen sloan characters and you know the irena um irena characters well i'll give them that um but uh sydney and most of the rest of the supporting cast lack the amount of heart that I need to actually care. And in espionage thrillers in particular, you have to make the people care about your protagonist because this line of work is inherently morally gray. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So you have to really give me a reason to root root for these people. Yeah, you know, that's, that's it for me on Alias, ultimately. I just, I needed more characters. I needed more character work. This is everything that we think made Alias good, bad, basic, and a bit convoluted. If you'd like to check out the series, Alias is currently streaming for free on Tubi. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And with that, we officially wrap up the Spies and Lies season of The Good, The Bad, The Basic. Thank you all for listening and joining us as we discussed the intrigue, the espionage, the betrayals, and the backroom deals that made all of these shows so compelling to watch. We hope that you've enjoyed season 11 of GBB as much as we have. Em and I will be returning next week with season 12 of The Good, The Bad, The Basic off to college. This next season, we'll be diving into the oft-overlooked world of life after high school and before marriage and parenthood. Off to College will center shows which feature an unsure protagonist getting their footing and entering the brave new world of young adulthood. We'll be kicking things off with NBC's critically acclaimed sitcom, Community. Community is currently streaming on Netflix and Hulu, so get into it. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, The Bad, The Basic is streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune in to our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic.
Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.